And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Zach. It's Joe Plummer. Who? Joe Plummer. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, Joe. Sorry, I've called you a thousand times. I'm just trying to collect a bunch of stories for my podcast. What do you Yeah, think? I remember you you called me like you called me about this like six months ago or something. Like, yeah, I did and And then I got back to you and then and then you didn't get back to me. Um shit. And are you sure? Hmm. Uh yeah. Okay. Uh sorry, man. I so I guess you want it. you want your tour you want your tour story right now, right? Is that well, what you're calling? If if you have the time, I mean I don't want to put you on the spot. We can No, sure, we can do it right now. Oh, you, right. are you ready? Uh, are you cool? After I mean, after all the time you're ready, you're ready at this moment for me to do it. Like you're all set for me well, to recording the Yeah. But I mean are you you sound pissed. Are you No no no. No, are, are, okay, let's let's go. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Hello. Jesus. Hey! hey, hey. 
Zach Sally is a musician, a visual artist, and a good friend of mine. More importantly, Zach is the man behind the tour story portraits. In this episode, Zach tells us about the time his band Low attempted to open for the band Hole. He also shares with us one of his favorite rock and roll experiences, opening for Nick Cave and the Bad Seas. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. The last time I remember being on tour was 25 years ago. Yeah. For real, 2005. But before that, I was on tour for 12 years straight. And, Where did we uh, hang out? When you were on tour, we would hang out. We hung out in L.A. and Seattle, ever? Portland? Well, we met in Portland. We, we met at Eddie Vedder's house. That's right. Yeah. Party. Yes. Yeah. And I woke up screaming at Eddie Vedder's then wife because she was trying to put a blanket on me. But I thought she was trying to attack me. That's right. Did you smooth that over ever? <laughs> Did you ever smooth that over with that? <laughs> no, no, we haven't really talked to him. But, uh, yeah, I think very soon after that, you drove me back to Olympia. Sarah Lund arranged our our blind date, I believe. Yeah, and we're still in love. I know. is that amazing? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. You know, thinking of tour stories, I was going to start because I remember this one time in L.A. Where, where I played a show, and then I stayed at some dude's house, but he was driving yeah. me to his house, and he kept on taking car in circles because he kind of had this concept that like that he needed figured out at the time, which was that if quarter inch tape gives the least good sound quality and two inch tape gives the best sound quality, mm-hmm. why isn't there tape that's as big as the moon? Exactly. And actually this person wouldn't let me get out of the car until I, until I came up with some sort of reasonable solution to this issue. And I think, I think what we ended up with was that like tape that big would be actually the sound of like, like a divine being speaking to you. And at that point I was allowed to get out of the car. Can't remember who that was though. Albini? <laughs> no, I don't think so. You're, I assume you're, unless someone else had this conversation with you. No, that was you're referring you. to me. Um, that was you. Yeah. I mean, he's still, it's not crazy to wonder why it stopped it, too. I think no, we but, but, logically arrived that there's a threshold that you cross where it takes more power and maybe all the trappings of more power, which is noise and failure rate. I don't know why um, not six-inch tape. I can't. I still yeah, can't answer that right. question of why not six-inch Why six not three-inch, six-inch tape? But, you know, soon after that, we had digital and none of that matters anymore, right? I mean, you're not recording me on tape, are you? I actually am. I'm hooked up to a, an experimental two-and-a-half-inch tape machine. <laughs> I was going to say, just imagine how good this would sound if it was on 6.25-inch tape. Yeah. Rolling it. Steve, rolling how's it sound in the control room? IPS. I just asked Steve how it sounded in the control room. He said, it sounds great. And he said, I'm not a producer, though. I'm an engineer. <gasps> sure makes great sounding records. Man, does he ever. Yes, he does. Do uh, you want me to tell you a tour story? Yeah, yeah, please. I'd love to hear a tour story from Zach Sally of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Give me all the details you can think of, and I'll cut them out when they seem stupid. So, I had to look it up, but in 1993, I joined a band called Low. Actually, I joined after I had been their quote-unquote sound man for one tour, and I was terrible at doing sound, but I was old friends with 
bounce bar hawk and maybe parker and we had met in high school when i started a band with alan where we made like backing tapes and we wanted to be sonic youth and all that kind of stuff and then then i moved all over the place and uh they formed a band called low and i joined that band in 1994 and low is still around and they're still good and they're still kind of killing it but back then we were known as the quietest band in the world which probably wasn't true but that was the that was the working notion with us and uh the record i came in on was called long division and that was a record where we took that quietest band to a logical extreme and uh, we made a record that record we made it super super minimal and super quiet so soon after that uh, we were just doing regular sort of small tours where we'd start playing and people were wondering what the hell was going on because uh, there were these long spaces in between notes. We got a call from a band called Soul Coffee and they invited us to open on a tour for them. But how it ended up was it was four weeks of us playing for crowds that totally fucking hated us. I mean, actively hated us. And we, we were kind of used to that because we were quiet and they were sort of fun and party music and all of a sudden there was this huge downer on stage and uh people fucking hated it which was kind of fun for a while but eventually it got to be no fun but we did this whole tour with them and we didn't talk about it but our response at the time was a little bit of like oh if we're annoying you we're gonna annoy you even more and play even more minimally and more quiet and i don't know how well that works but but we got through the tour we ended the tour with soul coughing in la and then thankfully we got to play at jabberjaw which was like the only time people had liked us in a month and a half. Um, it was one of those amazing clubs, you know, that I'm sure they still make them like this, but I don't think LA really had a place for all ages shows and for like underground indie bands all that much. And Jabberjaw, yeah, this guy, this insane dude named Gary, actually, I hope he's still around. He, he ran it and Randy was kind of nominally part of it, but it was just this tiny little club in a not great neighborhood. And, uh, yeah, and it's it fucking ruled. But so we're going back to Minnesota or whatever, and Rand, the guy I just mentioned, Randy Kay, Randy sets up a show opening for a hole. And of course, we're like, are you fucking kidding me? No. No, he's like, no, this is for real. We got you this gig. And me and Alan were like, well, okay. And then Nim was sort of not having it. And I mean, because, you know, and this is during the period, like, when whole, all you hear about whole shows is that it's a total shit show and that Courtney's gone crazy and blah, 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 blah. And, and all of a sudden after, you know, however long touring with Soul Coughing, we are going to be opening up for this circus. I mean, it had been bad enough with Soul Coughing. We could only sort of imagine what was going to happen when we we're opening for a whole. It's a men's pissed and she doesn't want to do it for good reason. But me and Alan are like, just, you know, just the absurdity is like, we have to we have to play this show. So we leave LA, drive into Vegas, we get in there and there's, you know, it's at this strange theater and all that. And, and, and Alan and Mim, if I hadn't mentioned it before, I'm married. And so we pull up and Mim is just like, really, really does not want to do this because people are going to throw stuff at us. And we've just had a month of that. And, and Alan is trying to sort of save his marriage and convince her that we should try and do this. So I'm like, fine, look, I'm going to go in I'm going to check this out. We'll see what's going on. I'll come back and report to you. And Alan is, you know, while Alan talks to him, you know, me and Alan were like, we're doing this. It's a show and it's 250 bucks or something, which is, you know, significant. And like, you know, I'm kind of like, this is going to be terrible and it's going to be awesome, you know? So I go into the theater, I walk past this like giant, serious looking dude who kind of 
looks like he's going to hassle me a little bit as I'm walking in, but I walk in like I actually have something to do, which I do. So I go find the office or whatever, and I'm like, okay, I'm Zach from Loeb. We're here. What do you want us to do? And everyone in the office looks at me, and they say, you're who? And I say, I'm from, I'm from Lowe. We're the opening act tonight. And they're like, we're never heard. I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of you. And as I'm doing this, I'm hearing the whole is sound checking. So I'm hearing this kind of like Courtney Love and that voice and like yelling at people and just this like, you know, so I spend a couple of minutes. And I'm like, look, Randy Kay. And it was set up by, it was like either Golden Voice or Golden Mountain or, you know, all those people were all gold something back then. And they're just, they're trying to like completely slough me off. And I'm like, no, this is actually for real. And I need you to make a call because we'll take off. But if we take off and we're on the bill, like I say we are, you guys are kind of fucked. And then eventually they're like, all right, son, I'll make a call. Come back in in 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is, so I'm like, yeah, make the call. I'll go talk to my bandmate. I start to go out. And on the way out, I can still hear Courtney yelling at people and being whatever. And as I'm going out, the bouncer stops me and he's like, who are you, man? And so I start kind of explaining to this guy. I'm like, look, I'm supposed to be in the opening band, but I'm going outside and I'm going to come back in and we're kind of stuck in the doorway. And as I look to my left, there's somebody waiting to get in the door it's kind of impatiently, but me and this guy arguing are like stopping up the door and I look and it's the girl from E.T., So it's Drew Barrymore, and I'm like, all right, all right. So I get out of the way of Drew Barrymore because apparently she's dating somebody in the band, and I'm still arguing with this dude, and I hear her go into the theater, and then I hear this voice go, fucking Drew, fuck you, you fucking boy, and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of starting to come around like, this is, maybe we don't want to play this show. This, this isn't really funny. This just kind of sucks. But I eventually, like, figured out with this bouncer dude, go out to the van, where Al is still trying to convince Min that this is okay, and I tell them the scoop, and Min's like, I'm done. we're not doing this. And I'm like, listen, I, I'm going to go back in in 10 minutes, and if they tell us whatever, then, then we'll take off and we'll leave. So we get it some time. Oh, and then as I'm walking back in, they have those big tour buses and all that, and yeah. I see the little Cobain baby, who must have been, I don't know, like two or something. You know, and that whole thing back then was like, this is all just a nightmare. This is all just fucking terrible. And so I see the Cobain baby kind of wandering around in back near the tour bus and, and a woman near her that looks like a nanny. And I'm like, oh, well, all right. You know, they're bringing that little girl with and it's, you know, that's, that's nice. And as, as I'm walking by and seeing that, one of these like grizzled old roadies kind of walks up to the little girl and does this like, Rawr! and this little girl just like runs away screaming. And I'm like, no. This <laughs> just fucking, this just gets worse and worse. Um, so all that's going on, then it's just done as done can be. And, and any idea I had that, like, maybe this might be just the kind of fun I'm into, like, facing down this particular crowd at this particular moment is going to be interesting in a way that will be fun and I can cherish it. It's kind of going away. I'm just like, this is just going to be a nightmare, and, and I'm going to do whatever they whatever they say when we get back in. So I deal with this bouncer again. He, he actually lets me in and I go back and into the office. And again, it takes him a while to like look up at me. I'm like, did you, 
did you call? Did you figure this out? And they're like, yeah, we made a call, and no, sorry, man, nobody's ever heard of you. I don't know who told you you have a show here, but you don't have a show here. And I'm like, you want to know something? Fine. Fuck it. And there's no cell phones, right? So this is it. I'm like, fine. We're supposed to be on this show, but if you guys are going to say that we're not on the show, we're going to leave now. And they're like, fine, whatever. So we left, and uh, we got two hours down the road, or three or whatever, and called Randy, and he was like, where are you guys? Golden Nuggets or Voice or whoever showed up, and they're like, where's Low?" Circus Circus. We wanted, you know, to get a lot of food for cheap, and they had one of those buffet things where it's all you can eat for nine bucks. So we go to Circus Circus, which at that time was, you know, on its way out still, and it was just kind of gnarly. And again, not unlike that whole show, they have one of those lines that kind of snakes back and forth before you get to the feed trough. And the whole time, you know, we're snaking back and forth. Again, we're all kind of like, is this a good idea? Is this really actually worth the nine bucks? But, you know, we want we want to eat a lot of food, and we're in Vegas, so we feel like we have to do this thing. And as we're sneaking through, it's, it's me and our, our sound guy, Chris. We keep going past this family of five. You know, like they're going one way ahead of us in line, and we're going the other way. And it's like a mom who's really, really large, and her husband who's, like, really, really tall and thin. So it's just like a nursery rhyme. And then they have, like, four kids. <laughs> but eventually we, we end up going through, and they – so they are going through the food line as we are making our way to go around the corner and go through the food line, and we pass them. <laughs> and as we pass them, <laughs> each have a plate, but all that's on the plate is shredded cheese. It's like this fucking mountain of shredded cheese. And me and Chris are, like, kind of not able to control ourselves. Except when they get past us, the mom turns back to the entire family who are all behind her. And she says, she says, did you guys get any cheese? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It was like there might have been some salad at the base or something. By all, like, if you were 20 feet away, all you would see was like five people with like six inches of cheese on their plate, <laughs> shredded cheese. <laughs> and she had to ask, she had to ask if they, if they all got any cheese. <laughs> oh boy! Low open for Radiohead, is that right? Yeah, we did. And we opened for Nick Cave. It was one of the greatest rock and roll shows. It's in my, like, top two greatest rock and roll shows of all time. What happened was Nick Cave hadn't been in Seattle in 15 years or something, and they started playing, and it was amazing. 
And then I think they started playing Mercy Seat and they demanded that everybody stay in their seats because it's a fancy theater and there's no like area for, for people to stand anywhere. So during Mercy Seat, some guy at the back of the theater gets up out of his seat and they've been strictly enforcing like anybody who gets up out of their seats, they would hassle them and make them sit down. This guy just gets up, walks all the way down the aisle to the front of the stage and just stands there. He's just like, I'm not sitting down for this. And so two bouncers come and they take him and he's sort of like, fuck you. But then they start walking him back down the aisle and everyone in the theater is quiet and the band is just kind of continuing to play. And they get the guy almost all the way back to the doors and Nick Cave says, let him go. And the bouncers are like, what? And he's like, let that guy go. And they did, and the entire it was like a riot. The entire place just exploded. Like, everybody got out of their seats. And from then on, it was just like, you know, people started smoking. It was no smoking. I mean, I think, if memory serves, there was like $5,000 worth of damage done to the theater that night. Thanks to Zach for the story, and thanks to you for listening. If you like tour stories, check out our companion episode, The Check-In, all at ruinousmedia.com slash tour stories and please subscribe please it's just sound and noise it's just verse and chorus Make up a little tune Then you can sing it for us Don't care what they say Hit record and play Then just get out of the way From my fear of song